Welcome back to The Wise Man's Page, the podcast where we read Patrick Rothfuss's The Wise Man's Fear page by page. This is page 822. Mogwin gave a laugh that was almost a cackle. She got down off her chair. I can't say I'm surprised, she said, and disappeared through a door that led back into the cliff. Vachette let herself out, and I stood there feeling awkward. Like one of those terrible dreams when you're on stage and can't remember what to say. Or even what part you... Or even what part you were meaning to play. Mogwin returned, carrying a thick book bound in brown leather. At a gesture from her, we took seats in chairs facing each other. Hers was a deeply cushioned leather chair. Mine was not. I sat with Cesar across my knees, partly because it seemed appropriate and partly because I was fond of the feel of it beneath my hand. She opened the book, the binding crackling as she spread it open on her lap. She flipped pages for a moment until she found the place she was looking for. First came Kael. She read, who shaped me in fire for an unknown purpose. He carried me, then cast me aside. Mogwin looked up, unable to gesture, as her hands were both occupied by the large book. Well, she demanded. What would you like me to do? I asked politely. I couldn't gesture due to my bandages. We made a fine pair of half-mutes. Repeat it back, she said irritated. You need to learn them all. First came Kael, I said, who shaped me in fire for an unknown purpose. He carried me, then cast me aside. She nodded and continued. Next came Etaini. I repeated it. We continued this way for perhaps a half hour. Owner after owner, name after name, loyalties declaimed, and enemies killed. At first, the names and places were tantalizing. Then, as it continued, the list began to depress me, as nearly each piece ended with the death of the owner. They were not peaceful deaths, either. Some died in wars, some in duels, many merely killed by or slain by, given no clue as to the circumstances. After thirty of these, I heard nothing resembling passes from this world peacefully in his sleep, surrounded by fat grandchildren. Then the list stopped being depressing and became simply boring instead. Next came Finol, of the clear and shining eye, I repeated attentively, much loved of Dulcin. She herself slew two Daruna, then was killed by Gremin at the Drossen Tour. I cleared my throat before Mogwin could recite another passage. If I may ask, I said, How many have carried Cesura over the years? Cesare, she corrected me sharply. Do not presume to meddle with her name. It means to break, to catch, and to fly. 
I looked down at the sheathed sword across my lap. I felt the weight of the end of the page. I'm Nick. I'm Jordana. I'm Jeremy. So Jordana. What? You know how Nick is always saying that like my pronunciation of fantasy names has been influenced by Tolkien's Elvish? Yeah. Well, yours has clearly been influenced by ancient Greek. Okay. Because you said kale. First first came kale. And then you said etaini. Oh, yeah. Etaini is definitely, yeah, that does. Yeah, that feels ancient Greek to me. I would say chael and etain. You might even say chael. You might even say chael if you you want to throw some Yiddish in there. I feel like this page is very, I don't know, mm, it's hard to describe, but like I want to say heavy. In what sense? It feels like we're supposed to know something based on what's on this page and it's going to be important, but I don't know what it is. (laughs) I think Nick might have an idea. As some small idea, we do get the reference to Dross and Tor, which you may recall is the battle where Lanra killed a dragon. So we have some evidence that Dross and Tor is real if we take uh, the the Adam's oral tradition as reliable. We also have some indication of how, like, I don't know about how much time there was, but there's several generations. We, we don't get exactly how many, but it seems like at least 30 before we get to Dross and Tor. So there's, you know, 300 years or so prior to the creation war, we have uh, the sword being forged. That seems like an awful lot. That also dates it to before the split of, uh, of the Fae and the mortal world. Maybe that's why this metal is the way it is. Maybe it's it's fey metal. We also have this this thing, Daruna and Gremin, which sound to me like the same kind of uh, words that we get when they talk about Dennerlings. Dennerlings, yeah, they sound like like goblins, right? Daruna, Gremlins. And... Gremin sounds like Gremlins. Mm-hmm. I think of Dross and Tor as like a Lord of the Rings style battle between monstrous. Uh, orc types and the shining armored Rohirrim and and uh, Gondorians. So you know, what are the Daruna and the Gremin? Mm-hmm. Doesn't matter. It just sounds cool. But also, it, it's unremarked on by Quoth at this time. I think later he goes, "Wait a minute, Dross and Tor." I remember that. That was a long time ago. But yeah, he doesn't really go. He doesn't clue into it. Yeah. Well, he's sort of cluing into it here, though, because he's asking, like, after she mentions Dross and Tor, he's like, "How many of people?" Are there because if Dross and Tor was that long ago and they've already gone over mm-hmm. half an hour's worth of names, like that's a lot of people. Jordana, <laughs> I thought the same thing. I thought that this is him going, hang on a minute. How many people have had this sword? How old is this? How long how old is this really? But that's not actually why he's asking. Uh, because he that it does he doesn't twig for a whole other page until the end of the page that he goes, Oh, wait a minute. If there's that many names, that means the sword is a hundred, like hundreds and hundreds of years old. He's asking because he's like, "How much longer am I going to have to be here?" Yeah, he's asking because he's bored. And he goes, <laughs> oh, no, I should know this, uh, <laughs> but no, he's asking because he's bored. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. But I, I also, Jordana, initially read this as him cluing into how old the sword was. I regret to say that in this case, he's just bored. All right, reasonable. Is we've already found out about Dross and Tor because of Scarpy's story. 
Or... I believe so. It was, I think in Scarpia's story, he called it the Black of Drossentor. Yeah, okay. Chael is interesting, isn't it? Uh, does, does that sound like a word we know before? Sounds, sounds like, a uh, like Scrail. Scrail. A bit like Scrail, a bit like Chan, perhaps. The only other time, I don't know if it is the only other time, but it seems to me we don't get a lot of uh, proper nouns that start with C-H unless they're Chan. Mm, uh, Chan. Not, you know. Maybe, yeah, yeah, maybe Chael is a name for one of the Chandrian. And I think the the unknown purpose is interesting. Shape me in fire for an unknown purpose. Carry me, then cast me aside. It seems like most of the wielders are killed. Mm-hmm. That's the, the impression Quoth gets. So Maybe the trick is to cast the sword aside before it can manage to kill you. Maybe. It also or might be killed. like lost, right? Like lost to time. What was the purpose? Doesn't matter. He carried me, then cast me aside. Um, yeah. I it mean, also makes you wonder when like Adam as a concept started and like why they have the oral tradition that goes back even this far. Well, so uh, we were talking about how it's an oral tradition, but it's also actually a written tradition. That's true. Because she's reading it out of a book. That's very true. Yeah. It's not her job to have memorized all the histories of all. That would be insanity. No, but presumably the job is to, make sure it gets memorized and then that person when they come and they update the book like it it gets updated in turn and presumably they like check it for accuracy like you can see how it it could be if it was well maintained an unbroken chain now it's also worth saying i think that this this is not how you actually want to teach somebody like history memorizing names and dates is pretty deathly dull and that's why i think a lot of people think they don't like learning about history because it's not it's divorced of context right this is basically just both listing off an endless series of like headstone inscriptions so and so carried the sword they did a thing much beloved of so and so died at x right it, what it doesn't give you is like what was the battle of what was the dross and tor who are the daruna why was finall of the clear and shining eye fighting there who was dulcin you know, why was she called Fiddle of the Clear and Shining Eye? None of that is is here at all. And so I, my take on this is that it's not important for the wielder. Like the wielder's role is simply to remember the story of the sword. And then it is for others to like put together that, the relationships. Like I bet you, if we ever encounter another Adem and another Atas, there might be some names and places in common, which we can then start to infer some relationships from. But this is why I think that the sword is the story and the wielder is now part of the story because the sword isn't concerned with the context. It simply is and it existed and it was in these places at these times. And the wielder, it's not their responsibility to know the context. It's simply their responsibility to know the facts. And it's the responsibility of others, perhaps, to to put those together. At any rate, it's an interesting ingredient for this story. Why is it their responsibility if that is the case? Because they are part of the sword. The sword is part of them. I think it has to do with like the edemic perception of the role of the wielder of a sword. Okay, so I posit to you something slightly off the page. Uh, I, I posit to you the idea of, uh, of um, the King Killer VR experience. <laughs> uh, like, you, like, you know how they have like immersive Van Gogh? Like that, but... For Kingkiller, and 
part of it would be there'd be like a room you enter and the room would have swords on the wall and then it'd be like sorry ar the ar experience not the vr experience and you'd take your phone and you'd 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 go over the sword and when you went over the sword it would tell you the story of the sword yeah that would be sick right wouldn't that be great okay yeah that's all that was my idea i'm done now (laughs) cool story bro the other thing I want to talk about on this page is uh, some advice that seems extremely serious that Quoth completely disregards and, in fact, immediately and uh, conclusively disregards. He is told, do not presume to meddle with the name of the sword. It means to break, to catch, and to fly. And on the next page, Quoth is like, no, that's the wrong name. I'm going to name my sword. I'm a namer. It's my sword now. I'm going to name it Caesura, but I'm going to keep that to myself until I leave. And, like, in addition to being disrespectful... Don't you think, Quoth, that maybe you're meddling in something you don't totally understand by by committing to renaming this sword? I think all of that needs to be saved for tomorrow's page, but I do I, I am making the AM hand sign for a strong rebuke. <laughs> <laughs> to me or to Quoth? To you. Oh, of course you are. God. You'd think Quoth would learn something about respect for traditions and the value and like why things are taught a certain way after his time learning martial arts from the Adam. But as usual, Quoth has learned very little. Okay. If entreaty is, is that is uh what is entreaty? Like when you come into a place, when you entreat someone, you are asking them, you are inviting them. I entreat you to join me at the fire. What would I, be the like exiting opposite of this? It, it's, it's not about entering. Okay. It's it's like it's like saying it's please. Yeah. It's like saying please. Yeah. It's like I entreat you to do this. Please come in, or uh, I ask you this. Okay, that's good to know. It uh, it it uh, segues into how we're going to end today's episode. But if you have something else before we end today's episode, I do have I'll something else. That. Yes, because I think that it is interesting that Quoth is already treating Cezura the way he treats his loot. He wants it close to him. He's like kind of like absently stroking it. He likes. He's the... treating it as his own. Yeah, but that's not what I'm getting at, though. I mean, he is, but he's not just treating it as his own. He's treating it as like an object that is as intrinsic to him and as important to him as his loot. And I think he's correct. Well, we can discuss that tomorrow. But for now, I will make the Adam hand sign for profoundly polite X treaty. And, <laughs> and we will see you tomorrow on another page of the win.